Look what's going on in the world today. For God's sakes, we're lifting sanctions on Venezuela so they can pump oil because we won't? And because OPEC stiffed Joe Biden? Inflation is a half century high? We got a million gotaways that have crossed the border since Joe Biden became the president? There is a national crime wave? And you want me to listen to some TikTok whatever and the Daily Beast whatever that is and let Joe Biden continue to run the country off into the friggin' ditch? Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff. The gang is back in town. We're all in person being able to see each other and not talking over each other so much. Joe Arnold with you, your roundtable host with Scott Jennings, Jared Crawford, Kevin Grout, Sean Southerd. The world, Scott, has gone crazy. It is. This is the crazy time. This is October. Yeah. This is the time where, leading up to the, the November 8th election, that anything can happen and every anything has. People, this is the time of the year in campaigns when people absolutely lose their minds. No. And I mean... The losing of the minds has started. It started quick. So the do you lose lost. your mind more because, like, you can't keep up or you or you can't get over that? Or is it the fact that you kind of feel something slipping away from you? I think it's just after long – campaigns are, you know, long affairs now. And you get all the way to the end of something. And I just – I think it's a mixture of exhaustion and tension and fear mm-hmm. and, you know, ev- everything becomes hyper – important in the moment even though it's probably not that important and um and then all these emotions just get mixed in and then i also think there's just candidly a healthy dose of virtually every major information institution in this country pulls out every stop that it can in order to elect democrats and when something happens that blows up their narrative i.e abortion really isn't the most important issue in the election according to every major national poll that's not what the news is saying scott (laughs) uh or if something bad comes out about one of their candidates, i.e. John Fetterman in Pennsylvania chasing an African-American down the street with a shotgun or personally engaging in uh, putting graffiti on the uh, side of the wall of, a, of an African-American-owned business. Like when these things happen that puncture the narrative of these institutions, they go crazy and they lash out. And so these are you can put it all in the basket of October surprise, and that's that's where we are. Let's talk about October surprise a little bit here, because as a former reporter, you're I was always suspect, certainly, of any information to come out, especially in this last run here toward election day. And so, as a result, when the Herschel Walker story came out this past week, uh, alleging that uh, a, a former girlfriend, or at the time a girlfriend, had that he had paid for uh, her abortion. He, of course, is a very pro-life, as pro-life as you can get candidate uh, on the Republican side. That this be, this certainly is, is Trump. Herschel Walker's had a troubling campaign from the very beginning. He's had a lot of hills that he's had to, to climb, some of which he was kind of building for himself in front of him the entire way. But this seemed to be two things. First of all, boy, if that's true, that's hard to overcome. But then secondly, I'm thinking it's October. You know? I mean, let me let me let me paint a different picture. All right, it's it is October, so I agree agree on that. Um, it's interesting this whole and I, this story, by the way, is still unfolding. And, and I don't know what's true and what's not true. Herschel Walker says it's not true. The Daily Beast, whatever that is, put a story up that no other media outlet would touch. 
Well, do, do that what you will. But if I could, just for a moment, you're, you're correct that no other media outlet will report this, but everyone is still citing the story and well, talking they're about reporting it. They're reporting the, on reporting. They're, yeah, they're, exactly. Well, they're reporting the denial. Right. Which is the same. And so they so they go on TV and they say, we haven't independently verified this story, but, but Herschel Worker is denying this story. So here's but, everything they said. But many people are saying. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. It's, it's essentially the, the same thing. So I, I don't I don't know what the truth is. I really don't. And as you pointed out, <clears throat> Walker has had, you know, a challenging ride in some ways. In other ways, he has it easier than some candidates because he's famous, mm-hmm. he's revered, people want to meet him. You know, he doesn't have to fight for attention. If he walks into a diner in rural Georgia, a thousand people will want to get their picture made with him. So some of the things about his candidacy are actually good. Some of them are not. Um, I do think a lot of dishonest things have been said about Herschel Walker, and you know he's not a natural politician, and and you know we could sit here and debate the, the contours of that. This story, though, I think is interesting because there are people in Georgia saying, "Well, you know, there's been rumors about this for two years. Well, why are they just printing it now? It's October, right? Uh, and why isn't it in the Atlanta Journal Constitution? Why is it in the New York Times? Why is it in the?" You know the Daily Beast, whatever that is, and so, and so, I, you know, I think these are legitimate things that voters will, will take into consideration. But the top line strategic question for Republicans is, do you care? I mean, do we care? And if you look at the overall map, the whole thing has come down to Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada. I mean, that's it. That's the that's the game. And yes, there are other states going on, but that's the game. And if Republicans win, they if they hold serve in Pennsylvania and then win either Georgia or Nevada, they're home. And so um, the raging against Herschel Walker to try to hold this Senate seat in Georgia is is a real thing. And it reminds me a lot of the raging that went on against Brett Kavanaugh. You know, it reminds me a lot of the raging that went on against Donald Trump. It, it reminds me of the absolute raging. And I think this raging often causes people to do things that push the boundaries of honesty, that push the boundaries of ethics, because they think, well, my position is moral. Therefore, it's justified to push a boundary. Again, I don't know who's I, I truly have no idea what the truth here is. Right. But the question for the Republican, the average Republican, would be, do I care? Do I care if Herschel Walker paid for an abortion? Worst case scenario, he did. Raphael Warnock wants to pay for them all, including in the ninth month up to the moment of birth. I know that because it's the centerpiece of his entire campaign. And he's voted on it in the United States Senate. So do I care that Herschel Walker made a bad decision or did something I don't like 13 years ago? And is that enough to justify me voting to leave the Senate in control of the Democrats? I'm not sure that I do. Right. This is a stark choice between the two candidates. You know, uh, Raphael Warnock has a record, and it's an extremely liberal record, one that I think is out of touch with most of flyover country, especially Georgia. And if if this is true, um, it's just another a fact in this calculus that every voter is going to have to make. And Warnock hides behind the title, Reverend. He hides behind right. it. He hides behind it. And... And people hear in it what they want to hear. You know, I think he he wants certain kinds of people to believe that he's a moderate type, you know, Democrat. And yet the record is so liberal. The statements are so liberal. The positions are no different than every other big city liberal Democrat in the country. Right. But he hides behind it. 
he hides behind it. Well, the other thing is, is I think this is kind of the point, like lingering behind the point. You know, most Democrats who are trying to weaponize this against Herschel then think that they can go to Republicans and be like, hey, this is why you should vote for the Democrat. Right. That's not a reason to vote for a Democrat because, I mean, just take take it on the basis. Let's say, again, Scott, your point about uh, Herschel's had one. Let's say that he's had more than one, that Raphael Warnock wants to have many or thousands or millions or however many. That's not a – that means that they're both neutral on that point. And, and it also means – the other thing I think it's interesting about Democrat arguments on this, hypocrisy, they say. I'm sorry. Am I going to be am I going to be lectured to by a party that elected and reelected a Democrat to the United States Senate six times after he killed a woman in the trunk of his car? <laughs> right. Am I going to be lectured to by a party that reelected a sexual predator to the Oval Office, elected and then reelected one, and makes him the centerpiece of every Democrat national convention up until 2020? Who 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 are you talking about? Am I going to be lectured to by people about hypocrisy? No, I, I'm just, I'm not going to be. And then the other point on Walker this week, in addition to the abortion story, is that his son, who I'm told is on TikTok, and that's basically what he's known for, puts out a video trashing his dad. Now, if you watch any of the coverage of this, you'd believe that Herschel Walker's family is mired in drama and Raphael Warnock, the reverend, is 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 not but i i'm not sure that's true jared what do we got on it this man's running for the united states senate and all he cares about right now is his reputation i work at the mayor's office and this is a big problem i've been trying to be very quiet about the way that he is for the sake of my kids and his reputation i've tried to keep the way that he acts under wraps for a long time and today he crossed the line so that is what is going on here, and he's a great actor. He is phenomenal at putting on a really good show. Who, who are we talking about? Now, this is a great question, Joe. Important news quiz. <laughs> Important news quiz. Is that someone that's related to Herschel Walker or Raphael Warnock? If you said Raphael Warnock, you'd be correct. His wife. Ex-wife, I guess, right? And so... If you watch the coverage of Herschel this week, it's like they've all totally memory-holed that Warnock's family is a total mess. Well, because they never covered it in the first place. All of that came out the first time he ran for Senate in 2020, and no one talked about it. And so when you look at the grand... Very good point. When you look at the grand strategy of this, and you think about, well, how would a voter react to this? Well, you've got two candidates. Neither man is perfect. Okay? And you've got two candidacies that aren't perfect. You've got Herschel that has his challenges and his family challenges. Not a politician. He's, you know, we know his struggles. You've got Warnock, <clears throat> who's far too liberal for Georgia and has his own family struggles. So you've got two imperfect vessels here. The only question is, do you think the country is headed in the right direction under Democrats who control everything? And if you do, you should vote for Warnock. The question- but if you don't, and this is where every Republican is going to be. No Republican thinks the country's on the right track. Then you have to vote to do something else. The juxtaposition of Walker and Warnock here in the coverage this week has been so dishonest and maddening because they have completely and totally memory-holed everything we know about Warnock, which is not all that dissimilar to Herschel. It's family drama 
bad personal decisions, etc., etc. What is the difference? The difference is how will they vote whenever a policy comes up? How will Herschel vote? Will he vote the pro-life way? Yeah. Will he, will he vote the Warnock way? Is Herschel Walker the most Donald Trump candidate in this year's race in that sense? He is the person, in other words, a lot of very conservative mainstream Republicans, whether they want to say held their noses or say, you know, say, you know Supreme Court, general policy direction. I don't like Donald Trump as a person. I don't think he's necessarily all that uh, – I wouldn't look up to him. I wouldn't let my children kind of follow his example. See, but, I, I, but I think the, the, the direction of the country under him would be better than under Hillary Clinton. I, I disagree, and here's why. Because – Herschel Walker has been very open Mm -hmm. and honest with the people of Georgia about his own challenges. You know, a lot of the attack ads... So more humility from him than from Donald Trump. He is nothing but humble. He's nothing but humble. You've talked to him, by the way. I I have talked to him and and paid attention to his campaign. Go all the way back to 2008. He wrote a book about his mental health struggles and about the challenges he had to overcome. And he and his uh, ex-wife participated in a big interview about it because she also talked about living with Herschel and going through these mental health challenges with him. So, of course, the Democrats clipped snippets of her from that interview, and it's the centerpiece of their attack ad campaign against Walker. You'd never know that he and his ex-wife were participating in that together. They've made it sound like she's just come out against him. So it's extremely effective and extremely dishonest. But so my... My quibble with your hypothesis is mm-hmm. Walker actually is a humble man. He's not perfect, but he's been humble about his challenges in life and what he's had to do to overcome it. And he's, I think, a truth, truly a faithful man. This does not make him perfect, and it and it does not absolve him of bad personal decision making. But there is a key difference. And wouldn't it be great to somebody who is so public about their struggles and has gone through? you know, these mental health challenges throughout their life. Wouldn't it be great to have somebody in the United States Senate, you know, setting that policy? There's a lot of people throughout the country who deal with these things. Wouldn't it be great for them to have representation? I, I, look, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, a friend of the pod, Eric Erickson, our friend, Sean, from Georgia, I've been reading his stuff this week very carefully. He seems very conflicted about how this is going to change the race. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's an insider advantage poll tonight as we record this on uh, Wednesday night, <clears throat> showing Warnock up three. Last month it had Herschel up three. I, I mean, it's all margin of error movement. I, it's it's really close. I don't know what's going to happen. And I, I don't expect wholesale movement away from Walker. In fact, when the media piles on a Republican candidate like this, you do get some Republican tightening. Like, you, you know, Republicans dig in. So yeah. I, you might see some of that. Well, and there's probably and, and, a, a big and, fundraising for Herschel Walker. There has been institutional Republicans, the NRSC, the Senate Leadership Fund. They've both but, but stayed with him. What Eric's point is, is, is that he's made a couple of points. One is, is more sort of tactical, and that is Herschel's got to start dealing with this, which we're going to play in a minute. But second, he's just talked about the margins. It's exceedingly close. So if you're talking about just a few thousand people here and there, it's hard to measure that in a poll. It's all inside the margin given how big the turnout is going to be. Maybe Eric's right. Maybe a handful of people peel off of Herschel or just don't want to do it, and that costs him the race. We won't know that until election night. But the Democrat and media coverage of this thing is like, well, I guess no Republican should be voting for Herschel Walker. And it's like, A, they think every Republican's litmus test vote is abortion. By the way, it's not. 
And B, and B, that that's like their preferred outcome. Like they, in their mind, the only principled thing or moral thing that could happen is for Democrats to win every race everywhere, <laughs> and we have one party government. And that's just lunacy. No Republican's going to see it that way. On the tactical side, Herschel Walker did post a video today sort of beginning to deal with some of the attacks being leveled against him. Jared, let's hear it. Rebel One Up's running a nasty, dishonest campaign. Perfect for Washington. The Reverend doesn't even tell my full story, my true story. As everyone knows, I had a real battle with mental health. Even wrote a book about it. And by the grace of God, I've overcome it. One Up's a preacher who doesn't tell the truth. He doesn't even believe in redemption. I'm Herschel Walker, saved by grace, and I approve this message. Can you imagine Donald Trump ever saying anything, admitting any sort of personal this struggle? Is, I, I, I acknowledge my, that my comparison is, is you know, lacks that kind of uh, parody. But I, do, I do think that they have some similarities. Yeah, they're both though. celebrities, and certainly both carry that kind of you know celebrity gravitas. So I, I agree with you. But the, but their styles. I mean, he's even soft spoken. Well, right? I think maybe the comparison was or is maybe how voters see them. In other words, they are vehicles to something else. I can hold my nose for Herschel Walker and for even some of these past transgressions because I believe, to your point, that he is going to uh, be the deciding factor of the Republican having majority in the Senate. I, mean, I don't mean to minimize these jobs because they are important jobs, and you, you would like to think you know, you're electing almost perfect people to every one of these government jobs. But we all here are adults, and we can admit that's just not true. Nobody's perfect, and some people are better than others, and, and, and there are imperfect people who hold these jobs, but they do cast votes, and who is in the majority makes all the difference. Had we, as Republicans, not lost the Georgia Senate races in January of 2021, I, I don't think we would be in the inflation crisis that we're in right now. Right. I mean, see, so you, you can draw a straight line from losing those races to the absolute inflation crisis, and so... To ask the Republican Party, to ask a Republican voter, well, some TikTok kid and, you know, some Daily Beast, whatever that is, says, you know, Herschel Walker's bad. So let's just let Joe Biden continue to have unfettered, you know, access to the policy levers in this country. No Republican is going. That's not going to ring true. And so I just the, the way this has been talked about and covered this week has been maddening. I'm anxious to see what happens. I don't know if he's going to win, but my immediate reaction to this was I'm not going to be lectured about hypocrisy by Democrats. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be lectured about abortion by people. By the way, when you bring up Warnock's record on abortion, they freak out. That's not true. That's not true. It is true. And by the way, it's the centerpiece of his whole campaign. The entire Democrat campaign is abortion all the time, any way you want it. Every, everywhere. That's it. That's their whole campaign. You call them on it, and then they act like you're crazy. No. You're running ads on it. It's literally in every commercial. So I'm just, <clears throat> I'm not going to be lectured to by the people who've run the country off into the ditch in every possible way. Look what's going on in the world today. For God's sakes, we're lifting sanctions on Venezuela so they can pump oil because we won't? And because OPEC stiffed Joe Biden? Inflation is a half century high. We got a million gotaways that have crossed the border since Joe Biden became the president. There is a national crime wave. And you want me to listen to some 
TikTok whatever and the Daily Beast whatever that is and let Joe Biden continue to run the country off into the friggin' ditch? Man. No thanks. October is crazy. No October thanks. October is crazy. Let me. I do want to get to the next crazy thing that was been talked about this past week, courtesy of Donald Trump. But before we get there, you did briefly touch on the Senate picture. Yeah. And if I could, one thing you were saying was that basically it comes down to Georgia. And but I have to. But that's presuming I would think what you're saying is that that is Ohio going to go to JD Vance? Well, look, I, I think he's going to win. Uh, Ohio is a red state. I mean, of all the states on the map, yep. Ohio, I mean, for us, for us, Ohio is like their, you know, Washington state where they like their candidate, Ryan. But, man, you're just running in rough terrain. And so, I mean, if we're not winning Ohio, something bad has happened. And, and I just, and if you night. look at the national polling right now, the winds are blowing the direction of the Republicans. But, but it's here, and, and here so a before, place like Ohio yeah, would be yeah. the, the most likely where it would just, okay, We've got the wind in the sails. We're moving. But now, that having been said, okay. J.D. is being candidate to candidate, drastically outspent. Mm-hmm. Senate Leadership Fund, McConnell Super PAC, has picked up the slack. That's less efficient spending. And I think they've I think they've kept J.D. basically afloat enough to ride the terrain in Ohio to victory. So, I look, I, I, here's what I think. I think Republicans are going to win Ohio. They're going to win North Carolina. Which is another, you know, North Carolina always produces these low to mid single digit races. I, you know, I think we're going to win. But these are two that are basically that are that are uh, open seats after Republicans leaving. Yeah, so you need to hold on to those for any chance Continuity. to be able to right. Yeah, and so and then you look at Wisconsin. It looks to me like Ron John has taken control of Wisconsin yeah. to the point where there's there's whispers in the National Democratic establishment that Democrats are going to pull out on Mandela Barnes, who's, who's one of the most liberal, right. especially on crime, yeah. Kevin, uh, candidates in the country. So you take you figure Republicans are headed in the right direction there. It's a hold. That's a hold. Um, and then you start looking around like, okay, well, we, where are we going to pick up the one? Georgia, Nevada have become Nevada, the top, whatever. <laughs> Versailles, Versailles, I don't know. I wasn't correcting you. <laughs> Ralph Yell Warnock, I Ralph Warnock. <laughs> uh, Facts and then, don't matter. It's and you, all made and up. And you figure, you figure Georgia and Nevada, Jeez. Nevada are the top two options. Right. You know, there's still a couple of more hanging out there. You know, there's a poll this week showing uh, Blake Masters within three points right. in Arizona. There's a poll showing Bulldog within six in New Hampshire. You know, outer band. What about Colorado? Colorado and is still very attractive because the quality of the candidate there, O'Day. And then I, I still think Tiffany Smiley... You know, on a really good night, if the wind's really blowing, oh yeah, you know, you could see how something could happen. Does this oil stuff? We'll get to in a minute. Does this? I mean, I, it seems to me some of this, uh, this, this reduction in OPEC uh, production is going to happen maybe after the election. But still, I mean, because the, the announcement, the but, the, but the fact that they put the news out, I yeah. mean, it was a play in three acts. And, and Act number one: Biden or no, OPEC considers cut right. of one million barrels per day. Act two. Biden puts on full court press to stop OPEC. Act three, OPEC cuts production by two million barrels a day. I mean, it's it, like he asked for it to get worse. It, it, I mean, have we ever been less respected? This is what they always said about Trump. No one respects us. They're laughing at us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you who was laughing today. OPEC. That's mm-hmm. who was laughing. Well, it, 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 it's interesting the last couple of months as gas prices have slowly come down and the White House celebrates every reduction of yeah. five cents or so. It's all his it's all his doing. When gas prices are going up, right. 
It's someone else's fault. When but I come evil will come. So what happens do we, now? Do we have do we have Kareem Jean Pierre at the podium talking about this? This is amazing. Let me know when you find her. But you, you. you've said the president was responsible for gas prices coming down. Is the president responsible for gas prices going up? So it's a lot more nuanced. Oh, <laughs> it's nuanced. <laughs> you know this. Oh, oh, oh! It's nuanced. Is it? It wasn't nuanced when gas prices. We're coming down. I mean, these guys, I got to tell you, man, I don't know. I don't know what the future of gas prices is for the next several weeks. And I don't know exactly how the OPEC, you know, cuts are going to impact it. But I, the, the credibility of these right. people is outrageous. But they're, they're playing on such friendly terrain that, you know, if it weren't for Peter Ducey out there, who, who would be asking that question in the White House briefing room? What are, what are you two what are you, what are you passing you, notes? So We're looking at the, the I was, I was trying, petroleum Do you reserve. like me? Yes, no, or maybe? What did you choose? What do you Hey, doing? you know Joe we, and I have like a tortured relationship <laughs> we, on this We podcast. both happen to have up different articles about the Strategic Petroleum Reserve saying the same thing. Because, you know, you remember when this was all, you know, Putin's price hike. Biden's solution was we're going to tap... The strategic reserve. Yes. And now, as a result of that, we are now at a 40-year low Yeah, of what is in our strategic oil reserve. Do we have a sound effect of a straw <laughs> being used at the bottom of a glass that Actually, has no... Just, just cue up the Ross Perot uh, <laughs> giant You hear that sucking giant sound. sucking sound. Exactly. You know it. There's our history there. I remember that. Yeah. So, so Biden has drained the strategic reserves of this country, which, by the way, do not exist... To manipulate gas prices. Donald Trump also took a draw on this, but this is the crazy but thing. You, but you this saw is, this. Because Biden is Trump. I mean, I'm saying this is... <laughs> no, no. Well, in this regard... He, he didn't drain it. The, uh, 10%. But if you look, if you look at this... What is, what is this? If you this look at this more. chart... <laughs> okay, good. If you look at this chart, I mean, there's there's a significant drop-off. It went it, from... It, it, when Biden took off, it was at 640 million barrels, and now it's at 450 million barrels. Yeah. I mean, this thing exists in case of a true national and, emergency. And, Trump and, and, and by the way, America Joe Biden energy independent. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying on this specific tool that Trump did, that Trump also drew on it. My okay. Only point. Okay. Great point. But not so much. Okay, what, what what night of the week are you not available? <laughs> oh, we're gonna have this out like right now because I'm gonna reschedule the taping of this. What do you got? What do you, you you're chomp you're champing at the bit. Champing. <laughs> I just want to say it's like. <laughs> It's just like really frustrating. It's like there's this crisis going on in the world. Yeah. And there's this crisis going on domestically. Gases, gas prices are high for every American. Wait, consumer. what's the crisis? Joe Biden's approval rating? No. <laughs> That's the crisis. No. That's the crisis. It must be it must be addressed. Fix it. No. <laughs> like we have we have Ukraine going on. All these yeah. European countries are going to be up a creek without a paddle as we would say here in Kentucky or in flyover country. Yeah. We we are a much more moral source of Call energy. Oh. For for the world to rely upon, and yet we're sitting here just being like twiddling our thumbs, saying we're not going to increase oil production because we're just captivated well, by these far left radical environmentalists, and so we're going to pay higher prices and we're going to let everyone else be reliant upon totalitarian dictators as a result it, of it. it. This Venezuelan thing is so stunning because it's it's the second Venezuela thing. The other thing you may have missed is we did a deal. We had Maduro's. Yes. Uh, what are they, like his nephews? Yes. Or something that were like terrorists and drug dealers. We had captured them, and they were in prison here, convicted and put in prison. And we traded them <laughs> for some political prisoners. Marco Rubio was great on this, by the way. I mean, basically, we said, 
to every dictator and bad regime in the world, by all means, uh, kidnap every American you can find because we will absolutely trade you the worst people that we've captured from your regime. So we, we did Maduro. And if you can pump oil, you can do whatever you'd like. We did this favor to Maduro. And then a few days later, we're taken off the sanctions so they can... By the way, climate change solved because, <laughs> as we know, drilling for oil in Venezuela does not impact the uh, climate change I statistics. actually hear it's much more environmentally friendly to do it down there than it is up here. It is. It is, absolutely. So that's fixed. Good job, President Biden. Out of sight, out of mind. I mean, just the, the 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 absolute lunacy of all this, and and I tell you, it's crazy. October is crazy. I keep going back to it. October <laughs> is crazy. Let me talk to you about uh, you had by the great appearance on um, Wednesday on CNN on the craziness. It's the, about time you paid him a compliment. This is no. his podcast, after all. <laughs> I've been I've been watching. <laughs> But this follows a great appearance as, as far as the Herschel Walker debate uh, with your friend Alison Camerata on CNN. But this follows, Scott, a, a pretty viral moment over the weekend for you when talked uh, when you were talking on CNN's State of the Union about this just insane, I guess, social media post by Donald Trump calling the saying that Mitch McConnell has a death wish yeah. and then making a, a basically a racist remark about McConnell's wife, the former transportation and labor secretary, Elaine Chao. Yeah. Also, Donald Trump went crazy this week. Yes. And uh, everybody, this is the name of this episode. Everybody's gone crazy. <laughs> and, and, um, you know, look, I don't think Senator McConnell is ever going to publicly acknowledge this, um, because he just has not taken the bait. Trump's been baiting him for, for almost two years now. And they haven't spoken since December 15th-ish of 2020. Right. Uh, and I don't think McConnell's going to change his his strategy, but that doesn't mean I can't. And so, you know, <laughs> I, I just I just wanted to, to be honest about it. Let me, the can, language. Can we hear you from CNN? Yes, by all means. You know, we've got him live right here, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. Um, Scott, while I have you here, I mean, I, I got to ask you about something that we're talking about. Donald Trump, um, the president posted a message on Truth Social about uh, someone you've worked very closely with for much of your career, um, Mitch McConnell. He wrote of McConnell, quote, he has a death wish, must immediately seek help and advice from his China-loving wife. I'm not even going to say what he called the wife. You can see it there um, on your screen. Uh, suffice to say, it was um, a racist label for uh, Elaine Chao, um, who is, of course, of Chinese descent. Um, what is your reaction to that? What are the implications of a post like this? Would you take, I mean, why did he say this? Well, I think why is an interesting question. I think he's insanely jealous of Mitch McConnell because Mitch McConnell gets up and goes to work every day in Washington, and he doesn't because he lost. Mitch McConnell's never gotten fewer votes than a Democrat, and Donald Trump's never gotten more votes than a Democrat. And he has to live with that knowledge that Mitch McConnell's a better politician. And so I also think he lives with uh, and he gets very upset that McConnell won't take the bait. You know, he's been baiting McConnell ever since McConnell wouldn't go along with the January 6th stuff, wouldn't go along with the election line stuff. And so he's been ratcheting up this rhetoric, and McConnell simply won't take the bait because he has his eyes on uh, the ball, and the ball is to try to get Republican Senate majority. So ultimately, I just think it comes down to jealousy. But I do think the rhetoric is dangerous. It looked like assassination instructions uh, topped off with a healthy uh, heaping of racism to me. And I think every Republican ought to see it for what it is. It's dangerous. It's unbecoming. It's bad for the party, bad for him, bad for the country. He ought to knock it off. And we really, really ought to think about getting a new nominee in 2024. 
So Scott's right in front of us here. I know that's Kevin, but that was a remarkable statement. And I also think it was, I, I wanted to get your, just your thought process as you're going through this, because you're taking on the past Republican nominee for president, the last two election cycles, and perhaps the future Republican nominee for president in the next election cycle. And what's going through your mind at that point? I'm just, I'm, 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 this is, we're all Scott yeah. Jennings fans here in the flyover country, and we're saying, gosh, what, what is this moment like for you? I think, here, here's what I think my job is on these shows is to just give my honest, authentic opinion based on my values, my experience, my, you know, my, my reaction to things. I'm not, there to, I'm not there to calibrate. I'm not there to make people happy necessarily. I'm not there to make people sad. I'm just there to be my authentic self. And my authentic self, reading that statement, and biased, you know, being a longtime... Um, you know, a mentee of Mitch McConnell and somebody who's been around him since he was 18 years old, uh, I was angry. And uh, I was angry about the rhetoric. I thought it went too far. I mean, look, I get it. He doesn't like Mitch McConnell because Mitch McConnell doesn't want to go along with him on one of his things. I, I get it. He gets mad at a lot of people. But to put the words death wish in all caps and then to do clearly a racist comment. I mean, by the way, this stuff about Elaine Chow, that's what the Democrats have said in campaigns in Kentucky. Absolutely true. And we called it out. Yeah. As Republicans in Kentucky, we called it out. And people agreed with us, by the way, that it was racist to do this to Elaine Chow. And then that crazy Blankenship character from West Virginia, you yeah. know, he did it. And that's where the whole cocaine Mitch thing, you know, came from. So, like, literally the most desperate, crazy people in politics have used this. And now Donald Trump's, like, getting... It's not even sloppy seconds. It's like, you know, <laughs> terrible thirds or whatever it is, because this is like the third time this has gone around. And and so it's unoriginal, it's racist, and it's and it's wrong. And so what's going through my mind is somebody has to tell the truth about this. And and then on Sunday, that was from Monday night, Casey Hunt was hosting the uh, 9 yeah, o'clock yeah. show. But Sunday morning, um, I, I made some comments about it, and Dan Abash asked me, well, you know, what do you think about Republican candidates, what should they say? And you know what the answer to that is? And I just kind of sloughed it off. But the, the true answer is McConnell and other Republican leaders have given Republican candidates the best advice. Go out and talk about inflation, crime, and immigration. So I don't expect Republican candidates to go out and, and start talking about Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump because it's not in the best interest of their campaign. But, but back to your original question, my thought process is I'm not a candidate. So I, I need to say something. Candidates are going to run their races. Mm -hmm. McConnell's not going to say anything. But we all have thoughts about this. And I was in the right place at the right time to make a comment about uh, what I think many the reaction that many people were having, but either it's not in their best interest to get into it, they're not going to have a chance to get into it or the opportunity. I had all that, and so I wanted to hit it. Scott, I want to ask you about, uh, and McConnell is, is really the best at this, of not taking the bait. You've mentioned mm -hmm. this before on other issues. Um, there was a piece in our local paper here, the Courier-Journal, that essentially made the argument that McConnell not responding somehow makes McConnell racist. Um, the headline, McConnell's silence on Trump's comments about Elaine Chow encouraged racist. Which Against is, his own wife? Yes. I, I, I made this tweet. What a galaxy brain spins out. I mean, like, you, <laughs> yes, like Donald Trump, Trump makes a racist comment. 
about your wife. And, and it revealed that you... Mitch McConnell is the true yeah, racist. racist. I mean, all... it is insanity. I believe that would be called victim shaming. Oh, uh, but I read that. But tweet. so <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't give him the satisfaction of a click on the call. Um, <laughs> but so, can you talk a little bit about how how McConnell doesn't take the bait on this? Because you, you've talked about other candidates. Do, it, it inflames Trump more, right? Like, if they want Trump to go away, ignore him. Yeah, tr- Trump, I think, thrives on attention. And he's yeah. just not used to people not responding to him, either good or bad. You know, people praising him or people mixing it up with him. He, I think he he thrives on the back and forth and the attention. And, and, and I think he's flummoxed by someone who, who just ignores him. But it, it goes, I think, to the heart of their aims. Trump's aims are personal. Mm-hmm. In that he thinks it's good for him to mix it up with Mitch McConnell as he goes about, you know, uh, meeting out his punishment on the people who wouldn't go along with him on January the 6th about the election. And as he pursues the Republican nomination for president, that, that's his prerogative. But McConnell's aims are different. They're macro and it all revolves around getting control of the Senate majority. So he wakes up every day asking himself, what, what can I do today to further that aim and would taking the bait on this issue or, or any other issue further that goal? And I think the judgment on this is sound. It would not make any sense for him or the party for McConnell to just to just, you know, mix it up with Donald Trump every day and you know they make speeches against each other. And I mean, as much as he or Trump might want to, it, it serves no greater political or party purpose. And if there's one thing we know about McConnell, He's a party guy. He believes in control and, you know, you got to you gotta win to govern. And he believes in governing. I, I do think this is an interesting difference between these guys. I think McConnell's long-term view of why majorities matter is, is really sort of built on what can we accomplish with these majorities or what can we stop from happening. Exactly. And I think Trump really does, as, as New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman has pointed out many times, he, he literally just lives you know, f- for the next 10 seconds or for the next 10 minutes. And so McConnell's longer-term view of these things, I think, often dictates his strategic moves. Um, so it's a, it's, it's, I'm glad you brought it up because, it, you know, I was in the right position to, to say something about it, and, and uh, I don't expect anybody else to, but, but I, I think somebody needed to. Do you, uh, do you pay any price for this? Me? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean— I don't, I don't. Do I pay any price for being an honest person? No, I'm just <laughs> saying is because obviously this is this is a very conflicted time for the but, Republican but but, Party. But what you're asking, what you're asking me is, do I ever go on television and lie because I'm afraid of paying a price, or do you? No. Do I ever go on television and not give my authentic opinion? And I told you, my view of this is, I have one job: give my authentic, honest opinion, and don't pull punches. The worst pundits are the ones who just can't be honest. When it means f- uh, out of fear of making somebody in their own tribe angry, right. and look, I'm a conservative, I'm a Republican. You know, I'm on. I was on television the last two days defending Herschel Walker because I that's been my authentic reaction to it. But that doesn't mean I'm incapable of analyzing a situation and saying someone in my tribe was an idiot, because they are all the time. You know, nobody is infallible. People do stupid stuff all the time, but the worst pundits are the ones who just refuse to call balls and strikes from time to time. Those are the worst. And I've said on TV many times, if you die on every hill, you're dead. And and your credibility is dead. And I just, I'm not going to do it. And so do I pay any price? I think I'd pay a bigger price for uh, sidestepping it mm-hmm. or 
giving some inauthentic opinion. Look, I, I'm identified as someone who's been affiliated with Mitch McConnell. If I went on TV and said, oh, <laughs> I think it's fine, he didn't really mean, I mean, what, what, what would people think of me? Because they would know it wouldn't be true. I mean, anybody who knows me would know what kind of reaction I would have had to that. So how can I not be true to myself? Sure. Absolutely, no. And and by the way, speaking of, and, and you've been a very consistent voice nationally, and I wanted to bring this up because it's one thing, even though we have a wide and diverse audience here on Flyover Country with Scott Jennings, it does not compare to the overall numbers of CNN. And the fact that you were on State of the Union and again Monday night with Casey Hunt and saying these things I think is significant. You know, as far as maybe the most vocal voice on all of this, uh, for, for my redundancy there. But, but, but the fact that you were doing that, I think, was significant. And I, w- I wanted to point that out. Thank you. Speaking of which, you have also been a very consistent and authentic voice. Yes, Sean, this is like the Mutual Admiration Society again. I'm going to keep on. This is my favorite episode. Keeping the praise. <laughs> no, from the very beginning on political violence and how we need to condemn it regardless of who is behind it. These conversations I've had on this um, – have been interesting because we've talked about it a lot, but it's almost always framed in the media as right-wing mm-hmm. political violence. There's always concern about the, the violence that Trump has inspired, and there's a lot of highlights on people who do things in the name of Trump, obviously flowing out mostly of January 6th, but in other instances as well. And what I often say is I condemn it. All political violence is wrong. And then I, I, I often try to run through... Mm-hmm. Some of the examples of left-wing political violence, which are myriad, and we wanted to highlight on the show this week, U.S. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, up for re-election, released, I don't think we're going to play the whole thing, but he released about a three-and-a-half-minute, you know, Joe, you said it was a documentary, I think that's right, but it goes through all of the violence that he has personally suffered, and then also highlights other um, instances where left-wingers have uh, tried or uh, or actually committed violent acts, even left a few out. Let's hear a little bit of it. Evil of our constitutional republic requires civil discourse. But Senator Paul has been the target of repeated violence and threats of violence by the radical left. Mob is coming for Rand Paul. Senator Rand Paul is recovering from a brutal attack that resulted in five broken ribs. Republican members of Congress, among the dozens of people forced to run for their lives this morning, four people were shot. Capitol Police are investigating a death threat targeting Senator Rand Paul. This man had threatened to kill me and chop up my family with an axe. So this goes and on, Senator and, Rand and of course Rand suffered uh, an attack from his neighbor. He was uh, approached by a mob in Washington, D.C. He was at the Congressional Baseball practice in 2017 when that Bernie Sanders supporter showed up and, and shot uh, Steve Scalise. Um, I mean, he, he really has been. And then the video, though, where I think they made an interesting pivot was it pointed out all the, the links between his opponent's campaign and a lot of the people uh, around Kentucky who've been great promoters of this kind of violence have mocked the violence that he has suffered uh, and have really fanned the flames. Yeah, that's one thing that's particularly disgusting. Um the number of people who try to make a joke out of what happened to Rand Paul when his neighbor attacked him. Yeah. I mean, his opponent even put it in one of one of his campaign commercials, makes jokes about it on Twitter. It's it's not – I mean, the, the guy almost died. He had an infection, had to have part of his lung removed. Uh, it's really bad taste. And if you don't call it out as bad taste, I, you just look bad. Sean, you saw that you, – you put out a great statement about this this week. I, I was I, – I, was, I, I mean – Yeah, I mean, none of these people – I mean – Formerly affiliated with the Kentucky Democrat Party, 
have apologized for joking about the fiscal attack that happened. They, they continue to joke about it. They they are not apologetic whatsoever. And uh, even even after this video came out, they doubled down. Yeah. Saying that they were the victims as a result of this ad being aired. You know, saying, "Hey, how dare you say?" Like draw attention to the fact that I've been joking about the fact that you were beat up and and cheering it on. So one thing about the modern liberal that I think I find most amazing is they get really upset when you repeat their own words <laughs> to them. They can't stand it. I mean, they they believe they are entitled to speak only to a small circle of people that agree with them, and that no one else is entitled to amplify their statements. I mean, if you're going to put statements in the public domain about political violence or anything else uh, in, in a political campaign context, you're, you're not entitled <laughs> to keep those to yourself because you obviously thought it was the right thing in the moment. And so the amplification of these statements and the, the ensuing anger always, always are, gets me. Are they being victimized by themselves and their own words? It's, <laughs> it's insane. When I, what I would encourage anyone on either side of any of these issues or these conversations to do is to just do this little mental exercise and replace the name of the person who's the subject, if, if there's somebody you, you oppose, with someone that you like. And then ask yourself, would you treat this story or this situation in the same way? Think about it right now. If you're, if you're a Democrat listening to this show, think about one of the most beloved or popular Democrats in your state. And then think about that person being attacked. Mm -hmm. And think about that person having to have, you know, having five broken ribs and having part of his, uh, his lung removed. And then think to yourself, is that okay? Should you make fun of that? And again, I, when I was a journalist, I used to always check myself. And, and I would replace names in my head. And I would say, would I report the story the same way if it were a person from this stripe or a person from that situation and try to balance that out? And I would just encourage everyone because there are some things that I think we should all be opposed to. And I think political violence is one of them. There, there was a good example of what you're talking about uh, a few days ago in Michigan. There's a governor's race going on up there. The, the Democrat incumbent, Gretchen Whitmer, uh, is running against a Republican named Tudor Dixon. And Tudor Dixon, I don't, who I don't know, but won a primary and, and had an event the other day and said something like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Gretchen Whitmer was all too happy to, uh, you know, hold hostage Michigan's businesses with her COVID. And, of course, Whitmer was the subject of a kidnapping plot by some people. I mean, poor taste at best. And... And really, really bad judgment uh, in reality and, and at worst. And it's not right. I mean, all it takes is one crazy. Look look what's going on in the world right now. While you're looking that up, by the let, way. Let me, let me just okay. tell you what's going on in the world. Guys, okay, here, here are headlines. Yes. North Dakota man charged with murder in death of a teenager he called Republican extremist. Local Democrat official arrested for murder of Las Vegas investigative journalist. What's behind the attacks on crisis pregnancy centers? A man was charged with attempted murder of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh showed up at his home armed. Th these are but a few of the headlines. All it takes is one crazy person. Susan Collins of Maine was quoted in the New York Times, I think, this week. They did a thing on political violence. And she said that uh, she thought... Uh, a member of Congress was going to be murdered. And, and I, you know, I think we ought to take her words very seriously. Most of these people do not have protection. Some do. 
but they don't have the same kind of protection as the president. You know, we think of, I think I think this is, people don't know this. Yeah. The average member of, Con- I mean, you know, you were there, Kevin. The average member of Congress is just out in the open. The average politician or elected official or candidate, they're just out in the open. And it just takes one crazy person to do something terrible. Which is why Donald Trump's death wish terrible social media post is so irresponsible. Well, and, and he knows the impact of his own right. words. I mean, right. look look at the defense these Oath Keepers are mounting in their trial. Right. They're basically saying, we went to the Capitol. He told us so. Because he told us to do it. He knows the impact of his own words. And I think he, and by the way, death wish was all caps mm-hmm. in the statement. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. We have to be more responsible. I, I'm glad we played the Rand Paul thing because... I think Rand Paul drawing attention to this issue of political... I agree with you. It, it's kind of faded a little. To some, I'm glad he's drawing attention to it. This has got to be talked about, and we all have to get on the same page here. I just think, again, the whole you know ends justify the means thing, though, is still alive and well for folks who mocked the Rand Paul injuries. You had a protester outside Mitch McConnell's home calling for someone to stab him in the in the heart mother effing heart yeah and and, and that's a person who's been close to to uh, uh to uh, uh paul's opponent's campaign campaign they've coddled it they've coddled it you know but why is it that political violence we we, we can't see it unfiltered why 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 is it that we just can't call out political violence they and all agree they, on that they can forgive the violence because they think their point is right they think their point is holy and they want to achieve their end but everyone believes that on both sides so why can't the the, the i don't know i mean i'm being I, idealistic I, but, here, but, but, I, but i think we are but I, I think this is an important conversation because we, we've talked about this on the show before if you think you're moral and you think that that you're right and the other side is evil then, then all boundaries go down, all guardrails go away, all activities become justified because you're not just trying to win a campaign. You're trying to banish evil right. from the world. And because they're evil, I can do whatever needs to be done. And so that leads people to lie. It leads people to get into this rhetoric, and it leads people to do worse. And beyond that, extracurricular activities that are you know, super constitutional things that, in other words, because the system doesn't work for me, yeah, I, it's, it's justified for me to to it's, act around it. It's and, also this instant, this this desire for instant gratification. Yeah. A politician isn't giving me what I want this instant. I am now going to take matters into my own hands. You know, what does it cost people to do? Cause people to form mobs, go down to the Supreme Court and try to whatever, I don't know, uh, intimidate Supreme Court Justin and Rape the whirlwind? Mind. Yeah. I mean it, it, this this idea of instant gratification. This this New York Times article headline Lawmakers confront a rise in threats and intimidation and fear worse and a review by the New York Times this year of threats that resulted in indictments. More than a third were made by Republican or pro-Trump individuals against D's or R's deemed insufficiently loyal to Trump, and nearly a quarter were by Democrats targeting Republicans. I just want to return to my original point. This is not a right-wing issue. This is an issue of radicalism that's gone outside the bounds of our normal institutional processes. It exists on both fringes of the American political spectrum. And when you hear people discuss this, it must be discussed that way because you can't condemn one side of it and leave the other side alone. 
And the way to tamp it down is if everybody condemns it. Because there's always going to be that thin line of people who are on the edge or might do something crazy. But if leaders on both sides are willing to call it out for what it is and condemn it, I mean, you you can make a difference. Sean, in Kentucky, the Republican Party of Kentucky was among the first entities to condemn violent um, sort of rhetoric against Andy Bashir. You know, there was the... um, the, the group that hung Andy Bashir in effigy from a tree at the Capitol. And Republican leaders all over the state immediately said, no, this is not this is not right. In the strongest terms. I remember, you know, you could not have picked harsher words for what they did. So there are good examples of people doing what, what you said, Kevin, but but it's not enough. It You know, this is one of those things where you can't be right 99% of the time. You have to be right all the time because it just takes one crazy person to get the wrong message at the right time. And something bad happened. So I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this. And, and again, good on Rand for bringing this up in the campaign. This is Flyover Country with Scott Jennings. I'm Joe Arnold. Scott is here. Kevin's here. Sean's here. We already touched on oil prices. I want to get right to. Oh, and Jerry Crawford's here too. Well, you were, I didn't. I heard you once. Hi, Jerry. Jared's sick. I'm trying to. No stay one away recognizes from him. him. He has a beard. Has a beard. <laughs> Got a Patriots cap on. Sorry, Jared. I apologize. For oh, that. oh, Giselle. <laughs> and Brady, I forgot you uh, love take Tom. The mic. I take the mic? What are you, what are you gonna do about this? Here's the thing, I think. Okay, growing <laughs> up, in, oh God, I prepared a better statement here. Growing up in 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 New England and in, in the Boston media market, this story has been written fifteen times. Like I kid you not. Like there's all Seth Wickersham, these people at ESPN, these low life. Seth Wickersham. Oh, he wrote the. Erroneous Deflategate report. Sounds too. like a villain in an Agatha Christie novel. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Wickersham was here, and he murdered her Good, with arsenic. Say, look, if we're gonna create the first villain of this podcast, it's Seth Wickersham. Um, yeah, I mean, the story's been written a million times. She's got the kids in different schools. She's looking at houses in different states. I don't know how real this is, but yeah, they got lawyers. It would be devastating to see the first family of America break up. They got lawyers. <laughs> the, first, <laughs> the first family. They got wickershammed. They got. <laughs> yeah, I hate to see it. I love, man, that's pretty you. good, Joe. No, thank you so much. Nice work. Nice. The first time. Yeah, <laughs> you nice can come work. next week. Anyway. Anyway, where were we? Gas prices. I, I think we should get. To, we, I think we touched on gas prices. I think we need to get to seam rent herd so we have enough time for it tonight. Let's do it. Who wants to start? Anybody got a good one? Who's got the best one? Well, I'll, I'll come back around. I'll start with me because of the one of the greatest moments in sports. Even though the Cardinals were losing and they're probably going to lose in the playoffs here, Scott. But that moment that's when Ali, a very optimistic attitude. Well, you know, but they're. But you're, that's, I'm, I'm just shadowing. I'm just <laughs> echoing what you believe. Anyway, but you were Al- so high. And Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina, of course, ending their careers this no. year. And even though it was in a loss and Adam Wainwright had given up like six runs, but this really beautiful moment when when Ali Marmol comes out, the manager of the Cardinals, to take uh, Adam Wainwright out of the game, you have the, all the infielders there are, uh, on the pitcher's mound, including Yachty and, and Albert, and they say, let's all go out together. Yeah, that's but cool. The three of them walking, I mean, I'm 56 years old. I've been watching this guy for 21 years, Albert Pujols at least. And I got goosebumps. Yeah, I'm thinking about this. This is this is just a, a, a big moment for as much as you're into Giselle and Tom there, uh, Jared. This this mostly Tom. Mostly Tom. <laughs> this it was a moment, and it was a really. And I know this is a flyover. Giselle, just moment. for the record, Giselle for me. I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just 
But that that was my scene, my red, and my herd because it was uh, cool. It was cool. Yeah, very cool moment, Kevin. Yeah, I picked up uh, Ron Chernow's book on Grant, which I think I oh, read last year. read it, amazing. I, I Are was, you reading it or audioing? I'm audioing it. I, I listened to it. We'll see in three the years. First it's half a, of it last year. It's a long. I picked it back up. Man, the Civil War just ended, and there's 22 hours left of this book. Well, I don't his, know if I'm going to get through his it, life after the Civil War. When you think about, I mean. Essentially, he, there was like a mini second civil war during his presidency that yeah. he had to put down. Right. And then his well, post- don't, don't spoil it yet. I'm not that far. Were you L- not Lincoln was assassinated. Were you not listening in college? I mean, I, <laughs> but then like his post-presidential life was then an, another story in and of itself. It's, it's incredible all that this guy lived through. I'm glad. That's good. That's great. Sean? Uh, I was talking to a, a friend of the pod today, mm-hmm. uh, John Hughes. Yeah. And he was telling me that um, Amazon Prime has now added all 007 movies to the entire system. Nice. Mm. Which brought up a conversation that we were having, which is what was the greatest Nintendo 64 game? Goldeneye. Without a doubt. Mario yeah. Kart. Mario Kart's also great. Mario Golf was terrific as well. Yeah. It was a pop Goldeneye, game that was pretty great. When I was in college, a lot of hours were spent on Goldeneye. Great game. A lot of hours. Joe, did they even have video games when you were... We had, it, we had Mattel and television. They had ball and cup is what they had. We actually, I did have, I did have. <laughs> Joe was going like, <laughs> very excited to see, oh, I have Mrs. Pac-Man instead of. We had Pong when I was in elementary school. What are you, a biologist now? We weren't wealthy. Can you tell us, like, we, it wasn't that controversial we did not, thing, was we, it, Joe? We would never spring for the Atari because that was kind of like the, like the, the gold level. Yeah. We were more of like the bronze level with television. In uh, television, I, I have no idea what that is. I've never you don't? Heard that I, I'm I am vaguely familiar with this. It was the initial Atari competitor, right? And, and it, was, it was it was I I enjoyed it, but it was sort of like going to I'm trying to think of a good example here of just it's like the second tier. Yeah, you know? it's just the the my, the, my, the AAA clubs of of video games. Now, little known fact about Joe, he has maintained some saying? some retro video game consoles, and I will occasionally what? go over to the Arnold household, what? and we play Sega Genesis, yeah. NHL 95. That's true. Like bosses. I, it, I'm just going to tell so, you right now, one of the best sports games ever made, Sega, Genesis, so, NHL 95, be there or be square. Wow. So my sons are big video game historians, if you will, and, they, and, they, and most of the games they play are games that from before they were born. Including your Nintendo 64, by the way, as well as the Sega Genesis, and there is a what's it called an emulator? Yes. And so basically, you can put those old cartridges in there, mm-hmm. and it downloads the material from there. Of course, it's they were the computers today. Of course, are far more sophisticated than the ones back then, so they can just kind of suck all that in there. Anyway, you're able to play these games and then play NHL 95, 96, whatever on the big screen, and it's pretty remarkable. It, it, cool. It's amazing. We like 95 the best, I think. Because uh, yeah. we also played '93, and I remember that. Well, '93 was, was good because they could still you could still bloody someone. But, but <laughs> they I took the, the blood away in the '94. Speaking of political violence, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but we, we've had some epic hockey tournaments. Jared, uh, I'm going to completely change the mood here uh, on my scene. Red herd. Um, you guys may have seen a clip that went viral this week, last week, of Larry Krasner, the DA in Philadelphia, oh, yeah. who has coined himself one of these progressive prosecutors. Uh, claiming that you know his policies are working and crime is up only in Trump states, as he claimed it. Um, Heather McDonald, who is maybe the most important researcher on crime, showed the the war on cops, 
uh, in, a, in a long time. She's a fellow at the Manhattan Institute. She wrote a response piece to this titled, How Dare Left-Wingers Say Policies Are Working, in which she takes Larry Krasner to the woodshed. <laughs> I mean, he not only have these... I, I think people have a sense that crime is up, but sort of why is always the big question, and what is the next person going to do that's, that's going to change this trend? Uh, Philadelphia just hit 1,000 carjackings for the first time ever, and it's October. Um, and so clearly the policies of Larry Krasner and his ilk are not working. Uh, and again, Heather McDonald does an absolutely uh, remarkable job of taking him down. I think I read today that they may be considering impeaching him. Well, they did that with uh, Budin out in uh, yeah. California. Oh, I mean, yeah. th- these yeah. people, I mean... Again, the, the, we we talked about a couple weeks ago about the video that Wawa mm-hmm. or yeah. Yeah. Sheets. I don't know. No offense to the the gas station wars in Pennsylvania, but yeah, I mean, people, oh, people oh, Sheets are great. Have you ever been to Sheets? Oh yes, yeah, 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 they are great. Here it is. Yeah, Philadelphia's progressive prosecutor Larry Krasner faces an impeachment investigation ahead of the midterm. Yeah, I yeah, mean, these people have been a, a, a absolute disaster. They and and for the people they claim to help the most, the the minority communities, the poor communities that they claim to be helping have been just absolutely ravaged under these policies. And there's a reason, and I think people don't always make that connection. Heather does a phenomenal job of of making that connection. Awesome. Uh, My scene Red Herd is going to be, I finally succumbed to everybody I know uh, and started watching Succession. Hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I have to say, I got hooked on it, and I have been binging through it on my various plane rides and in my... Lonely Hotel stays, so I am now in uh, season, a couple of episodes into season three now, and uh, it's it's pretty good. I have to say, I'm, I'm invested in it now. I have to, I mean, I'm, I'm going to kind of indulge myself here since I started to see him right here, but I want to come back around. I want to start some kind of, kind of a fund for the two L.A. Rams players who are now being sued by the guy, they, the, the protester with the, the smoke bomb oh. that they tackled on the field during the game, the Rams-Niners game over the weekend. He now is suing these players yeah. and the Rams. Well, they did knock the ever-living crap out of <laughs> They should have. And first of all, I mean, no, they should. I mean, this is, this is, this person is... See, this, when I say we have a national crime wave, right. even even mild-mannered podcasts, those like Joe Arnold are, are advocating for vigilante take, take street, just not ready to go. Not, no, it's not vigilanteism, because that would be <laughs> going to find someone who's already been stopped. This, this is someone who presents a clear and present danger. Can you talk you like no this idea. the rest of the time? Justice. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait a minute. What danger did he pose? If you're if you're running around with a smoke bomb and you're and you're, I mean you don't know what you're doing to people you have no idea what kind of other weapons you have on there I mean I'm, I'm just saying it was they were right to stop him so you think the players gigantic NFL players yes should be able to completely and totally squash some drunk idiot he wasn't I don't know if he was drunk or not this is somebody who was out there to make attention and it was actually an animal rights protester that as it turned out oh then I'm fine with it. Then. <laughs> 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 never, never mind. I withdraw my uh, my devil's advocacy. Justice. Go with God. <laughs> Scott Genesis, go with God. Hit him harder. The last word, Scott, that you can take it home is Wickersham. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Flyover Country. We appreciate your listenership. Please subscribe. Send it to your friends. Tweet about it. Give us the five stars. Uh, we're going to have a great October. Have a couple of guests, I think, in before the midterms. We're going to keep... Cranking out our uh, our analysis, and uh, uh, we really, really appreciate everybody who's uh, joined us up on the pod. Take us home, Jared.
Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Flyover Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.